Well, good morning, everybody. I'm here joined with Pete Hughes. Pete is the leader of KXE, a church up in King's Cross, and he's married to B. He's also just recently released um, a new book about uh, called All Things New, um, available in Amazon and all good online bookshops right now. Um, but I sort of came across Pete for the first time when he spoke at our Church Week Away uh, focus a few years ago. And um, Pete did the most remarkable talk about creation and recreation, which I think are some of the th themes that he picks up in his um, book as well. And um, I uh, spend a couple of nights a year, that sounds weird, but I spend a couple <laughs> of nights a year with Pete um, when we go to uh, various church leader retreats. Um, yeah. And he's somebody really great to spend time with. And I'm so pleased that he's given up very, very kindly, given up um, some time to be with us this morning for our 10.30 home to home service. So welcome, Pete. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Great to be with you. Um, I've got a couple of questions to ask you. Um, but before I do that, uh, are there any other ways I've introduced you there with your sort of official bio? But what else? How are you doing in the lockdown? Surviving. Um, homeschooling, which is like crazy and stressful moments of beauty, but mainly just stressful. Um, I think it's, it's up and down, isn't it? I have days I'm like, God, you're so good. There's some amazing things happening. And there's days where I'm like, I can't cope. Lord, please bring this season to an end. Um, and I'm a pretty extreme extrovert. So there's, I feel like a whole energy supply for me, being around our team, being around people in the church. I've lost that energy supply. So th there's been days which have been a, a real struggle. And yet I'm coming to a point now where I'm like, okay, I'm finding a new groove and seeing some beauty in the midst of this. So yeah, doing okay. And we spoke just um, for a couple of minutes before I started recording and I commented on how great your hair's looking. Yeah, yeah, that was very kind. It was basically, it's a lockdown chop. So my wife was just watching YouTube, following this guy and trying to do her best. And it's, yeah, it's yeah, all it right. She's done well. Yeah, because you could have just gone for the Corona cut and just buzzed it off. But... Yeah, but B basically says that, that kind of chop would look awful on me. It yeah, would make same. me look much bigger because <laughs> I've got two rounder heads. She's, yeah, she's very I'm... honest with the feedback. It is the um, challenge of having a larger face, which I've also got <laughs> a large face, which um, doesn't look good with a short haircut. But um, Pete, I've got you, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. The first thing I'd love, and um, I wanted to ask you specifically, is what is your sense of what the spirit is doing during this time? Yeah, I mean, that's the question I've been asking all my mates and trying to discern myself because because I, I want to know where is God at work, partly so I can jump on board. I think the first response probably for many of us was like, ah, we need to reimagine everything in this new online world until lockdown's over. And then once through that phase, it's like, hang on a minute, Lord, what are you doing? Because if it's not that, I do want to know so I can, you know, just be in line with, with what your you know, heart is for right now. And I think there's a number of things. I, I think this is a wilderness that we're experiencing. And I think the point of a wilderness is for things to be stripped back until you're left with what matters most. And I've experienced that personally, but I think we have organizationally. I think the church, you know, in, in a wider sense is experiencing this and the culture definitely is. Everything's being stripped back. Everything's being shaken. And it leaves this moment of vulnerability and insecurity. But I think for us as followers of Jesus, if, if we believe that God is present in this, not the cause, but present in this, what would he be inviting us into? And I think it is to hear his voice. Like when people ask me, like, where are we going right now as a church? Like the honest answer, no idea. I don't know what's around the corner two weeks from now, let alone tomorrow. All I know is we have to hear his voice. 
because if we're walking through a dark valley, you know, to borrow the language of Psalm 23, we need to hear the voice of the shepherd. He's the only one that's going to lead us through the valley to green pastures and still waters. So I think we're, things are being stripped back so we can hear the voice of God. And um, this when will... you say that, though, Pete, sorry, to, um, um, I, I, I love that. Um, but how do you, if people in your um, church say to you, okay, so like, I'd love that, but how can we access God's voice during this time? Like, are you saying, oh, just sit quietly on your own and, you know? Yeah. I think it's a bit of, I think it's honestly, it's yes. Like, are we going to spend some time in scripture and in prayer? Like all the distractions are going to be there, you know, right available to us, you know, binging on Netflix or whatever else we might be doing. Are we actually going to take some time to be still and to sit in the frustration and the boredom and actually find God there? I think that's where he's going to be found when we stop finding the distractions and we actually say, look, Lord, come and speak. I'm going to I'm going to feast on your word. There's lots of other things I could feast on, which I know they're going to be destructive. But I could feast on your word and try and find your voice in the midst of this. And I just think, I think acknowledging, you know, this stripping back. I, I, we were looking at, at KXC at Luke 4 um, on Sunday. And it was interesting me, to me to hear this, that the word quarantine, it comes from this Venetian word that basically means 40 days. So apparently in the 14th or 15th century, during the Black Death, another brutal virus, when ships would come into harbour, they'd have to spend 40 days in isolation before any passengers could come on board um, to prevent the, the spread of the disease. But if you look at Luke 4, when Jesus enters into isolation for 40 days, we can quite literally say he entered into quarantine. So he knows what we're going through right now and how much it sucks. He also experienced the brutal stripping back in the wilderness where he went without food, didn't have Zoom, Wi-Fi connection. You know, so all of these insecurities and all of these very, you know, simple temptations came his way. And what, when everything was stripped back, what was he left with? And the answer is the voice of the father, which had been spoken in Luke 3. This is my son, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. So in the first temptation, he basically says to the enemy, like man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the word that's just come from the mouth of God is this voice of love. So I feel like that. Everything's been stripped away. I've never felt more insecure as a leader, like doubting my leadership, like feeling like all my weaknesses are suddenly on display for all of our staff team, for all of the church. You know, for me, it's like that dream when you're a kid and in your dream you go to school, but you've forgotten to wear any pants. Um, and it's suddenly you're like, ah, what am I doing here? I'm naked. Leadership's felt like that to me right now. Um, and I've almost tried to, rather than running from that, trying to find God in the brutal insecurity and say, look, I need to hear one voice right now. And it's the voice of the Father. And I know that voice is an affirming voice. And if I tune into that voice, I believe he'll lead me through this. Um, and then the very end of Luke 14, the wilderness passage, it says he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. So this is my sense what the Spirit's doing is everything's being stripped back. If we can tune into the one voice that matters most, what we'll find is we live from this centered place of knowing that we're loved and we will have actually discovered that that's where all the power is in living out that one reality. So my hope is that the church, if they choose to tune into that voice, will come out of this crisis in the power of the spirit, ready. What I'm praying for is an outpouring of the spirit and an exciting season of kingdom ministry in this nation. So good. That's so encouraging. I love that. Um, I hadn't heard that about the um, ships and the Black Death. So yeah. Um, what 
for, for, the, for the church and for perhaps for those people who are um, even in a small way accustomed to exploring God's voice and, his, and what he's doing in this um, time, that's so exciting. But what I've noticed is loads of people are watching our services who would never normally come to church. Yeah. And if you're watching right now, we love that you're here. It's so, so fun. Um, but what would you say for someone who's thinking, during this time, my life has been stripped back. How do I then like think, well, is there a different way of doing life? Is it like, what's the, what's the model that Jesus offers that could yeah. be a different way for me to do, do life? Yeah, I, I think I would, I would listen to that voice almost why are you tuning in in other words what is the longing what what within is actually searching for some sort of redemption some sort of hope i think it was fascinating to me like in the first few weeks the level of passion and celebration around the nhs every thursday you know open the door and the windows banging you know pans celebrating and that was beautiful and entirely right celebrating the work of those on the front line I think it also pointed towards our longing for salvation. Like, where are we finding hope right now? If we're going to get this through this crisis, we need the NHS. It was this kind of human longing for salvation. And for many people, it was like, our hope is in the NHS. So I think a lot of that pointed towards the human longing for redemption and salvation. So I think the reason there's such spiritual hunger right now, and the stats are crazy, aren't they? Mm. I think it's like 24% across the nation now tuning in to online services. In the demographic of like 18 to 30, I think it's near 34%. So it's crazy. Why are people tuning in? Even if they don't realize it, I think it's something deep within saying, I need hope, I need community, and maybe beyond even that, I need some sort of hope for salvation um, and redemption. And I would say, well, listen to that voice and keep asking those questions and keep searching. You know, Jesus said, seek and you'll find. So for anyone that's genuinely searching, I think his encouragement would be just keep searching and don't quit until you find something that truly satisfies. So that would be my encouragement. Keep, keep it's searching. It's great. One, something that is, um, there's a stark reality that, for many of us, we are also being forced to face the reality of death. Yeah. It, it, and, and it's just such a taboo subject. And there's so much fear, um, yeah. you know, which is so natural. Like we, it's in our natural human psyche to fear death. We're built to survive. Yeah. Do you think that um, there's sort of like an encouragement that, that, that when we live with faith, that that fear, of course, is still so desperately real for us? Yeah, because we live. I don't know whether you could just speak just for a couple of seconds on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think in moments like this, people become very, very aware of their mortality. You know, so for you and I, I guess, as priests, like there's moments, let's say at a funeral, when you're taking a funeral and you realize the power of the gospel in a context like that. It's incredible because you're actually saying, look, within this story where we find a sense of purpose, death isn't the end. It's a gateway into something greater. And whenever I have the privilege of, of speaking, preaching or taking a funeral, you can see people like eyes widen as they hear this message of hope. Like what? Like there's something more. And I think we're in a moment where people are beginning to ask that question. Is there something more? Because I need hope. So a story that basically says like death isn't the end that actually it, it's a doorway into something more rich, more full, more abundant in terms of life. 
that that's a beautiful message and i and i think that's a message that people are beginning to tune into like in in a in a very secular society where essentially what you see around you is all there is and you've kind of chopped off this sense of any transcendent reality anything more like there's moments like this where the soul begins to push back and be like but there there must be something more like um and people begin to search with a greater sense of curiosity and this is where I think you realize the secular narrative isn't enough and people aren't putting their hope in that narrative. They're searching for something greater of something more transcendent. And I think that's why people are asking these big questions and beginning like Alpha Online and all these other opportunities. They're like, I want something more. Mm-hmm. And we as the followers of Jesus would want to say, well, there is something more, mm-hmm. you know, knock on that door. I mean, Jesus says this is Revelation 320 knock on the door i stand at the door and knock if you open the door i'll come in we can hang out and through that door is everlasting life good we, we I mean, we've got our biggest alpha ever alpha course at the minute we've got more than alpha now than we've had ever when we've done alpha in real life it's amazing um one thing which um came up in your talk that you did at focus that i remember so vividly a couple of years ago but also is a theme in the book is about how um we truncate the story, yeah. God's story, the story that we live in is truncated. It doesn't tell the story of recreation. And do you sense, I mean, always, you know, that is what you're, you're drawing out is that God is recreating. He's bringing life back. But do you sense that now in this season, how God is doing that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, again, like one of the things I say again and again in the book is that the story you live in is the story you live out. And as followers of Jesus, that's why being immersed in scripture is so fundamental, because the dominant story that you're surrounded by, it shapes your worldview, you know, how you perceive things. It shapes everything about your life. So if we're living in the biblical story, that is the story that we're going to live out and that will shape our surroundings. And we're living in a time when the the dominant stories um, that we have embraced, they are crumbling. Like people are losing hope in the secular narrative and in other key stories. So suddenly it's like, okay, well, if there's this story that gives hope, not just to now and not just to us individually, but it's hope for nations, it's hope for creation. Like in many ways, like this crisis, which is brutal, creation itself will experience some level of healing through this. Like a lot's been documented about how rivers are running more you know, clearly, yeah, in deforestation, like stolen just by us, and it's never been more clear. I mean, it's totally. like still clear. It's crazy, and everyone's commenting on it. Like, I can hear birds sing. I'm in central London, and you know, it's beautiful, and all of this stuff around creation. Well, again, our story, the story of God, the story fulfilled in the person of Jesus, is about the healing of all of creation, of every human being, of every community. And and when you realize the full extent of the story, it's not just about how God deals with sin. And therefore, it's not just about how an individual can experience life after death. It's way more glorious than that. It's about how God's going to redeem every part of creation so that we can thrive in the way that we were meant to, which we get a vision of it in Eden, where there's no sin, no sickness, no suffering. In other words, the beginning of the story is a vision of human flourishing. And the end of the story is about how God fulfills that vision so we can live the life we were meant to live. And the idea that you and I, even in the midst of a crisis, can play a part in that story, that's beautiful. That brings a deep sense of purpose. However much life sucks right now and homeschooling is a challenge and all the insecurities I feel, I'm aware that I'm part of this story, that God is actually renewing and redeeming all things.